When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Sports by Northwest podcast featuring myself, Aaron Fetches of the Oregonian and Brenna Green of Coin6 Sports. We have a lot to talk about today. NFL Draft, Oregon State Spring Game, Oregon Spring Game. Brittany Griner is back in the news. Damian Lillard's trade watch is on with all sorts of rumors floating around. we got a G League coming to Portland, G League team coming to Portland. So much, and I'm going to pontificate on my main man, Jerry Springer, later in the show. But first, let me let you know that this podcast, Sports by Northwest, is supported by the Pacific Office Automation 147 coming June 2nd and 3rd to Portland International Raceway. With that, I bring in Brenna. Brenna, how you been? You were at the spring game on Saturday in Corvallis. You're going to be in Eugene tomorrow. You getting enough football in your life here these days? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy. I got I got a burn at the spring game in Corvallis. You got burned for your... a touchdown? You played? <laughs> oh, no. You... I, I got sunburned. Oh, I was going to say, did you get a turf burn? Tackling somebody? What are you talking about? You got sunburned. Uh, that, okay. that, would, that would be a lot more entertaining. That'd be a, that'd be a great story. Is that the but, first uh, recorded sunburn this year in that, that is. Oregon? It might be. Yes, yes. So I think that officially means we're in spring. Um, that that is the the official barometer. When did you get burned? Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, tell me you're from the Pacific Northwest and haven't seen the sun in months uh, without telling me you're from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> so uh, I will be sunscreening up for uh, this next spring game iteration come Saturday. You were caught off guard then. You weren't yeah, ready. Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't supposed to be that sunny. It was beautiful. I was. I wasn't complaining, you know. Oh. I, I'm fine with it. I'll, I'll take a little burn for that. Okay, let's let's get it. Well, I went from last week going to a couple. Well, actually, for the first month and a half of my son's baseball season, freezing my butt off watching some of the game from my car because I do not like the cold. To this week, I'm out there in shorts and a short sleeve shirt and trying to find shade. So yes, things have changed for the better. Everybody in Portland's seasonal depression is officially lifted. So Let's congratulations so. To, to all. <laughs> We've done it. We've made it through. Go frolic in the sun. All right. Let's touch on this real quick. NFL draft was uh, the first round of the draft was Thursday night. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, corner from Oregon slash Colorado. I include Colorado because that's where he was recruited and developed for three years, then jumped on the Oregon bandwagon. More power to him. But anyway, he ended up, quote unquote, Falling to 17, I say quote unquote falling because people say he fell because of the mock drafts and, pro- and projections had him going top 10. Those things are not real. How the NFL views the players, it's what's actually real. So he end- ends up at 17 to the Patriots, regardless of how we 
define falling or not. Were you surprised he didn't go top 10? I was a little bit surprised once we got past like 13. Yeah. You know, I, I like, I like kind of giving some, uh, you know, like, uh, like a, a room of, of, of possibilities. And since a lot of people had him around 10, I think like three picks lower makes, makes some sense. Uh, but you know, I mean, at least he got drafted and isn't Will Levis. You can always be Will Levis. <laughs> so, uh, which the Kentucky is, QB who fell out of the first round. Yeah, uh, and well, some people had him going number one. So, <laughs> well, there you go. That 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 defines what I'm talking about. Exactly. All exactly. the mock draft stuff. It's just what it is. Yeah. So, For entertainment purposes only. And the Patriots have kind of been downish over the last few years you know, compared to their normal standards or whatever, but he's going to a solid franchise that is relatively, you know, not marred by drama. So um, I think that's, I think that's a win for him. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state went before him, right before him. And then the Seahawks at five took Devin Witherspoon, a defensive back. So a couple of defensive backs went before Gonzalez, but yeah, he went to a, a great place. Uh, obviously Belichick's a great defensive coach. A lot of DBs have had a lot of great success under him, including one Patrick Chung, former Oregon safety mm-hmm. who played and won a couple of Super Bowls with Belichick. And in that division, man, you, you got Aaron Rodgers just, just went there. You got Tua in Miami. When he's healthy, he's pretty good. He's got Tyreek Hill. And, of course, you have Josh Allen in Buffalo. So you definitely need corners in that division. So that is a pretty good landing spot for him. Uh, who else do we think is going to get drafted from the Ducks? I didn't even pay much attention. <laughs> for shame. Yeah, uh, Sewell. Mean, cool. Sewell. Yeah, Sewell. He's what, what, third round maybe? Yeah, I think so. Third round? I think he's, he'll he's probably a, go Friday night. He's some more likely. Is there anyone else? Oh, um, gosh. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, like, kind of random names that you just don't know if they're going to go or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I mean, from Oregon State, Forsyth. Musgrave. Musgrave. Yeah, he could be second yep. or third round, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's going Friday night for sure. Um, That's amazing and, considering he missed almost all of last season. I know. It's crazy. Can you imagine how much better they would have been if he Gosh. they would have had him? I oh, know. my goodness. But then again, I guess you need somebody to throw the ball, and that was kind of a point of contention last year for that team. <laughs> so, um, which we're going to talk about soon enough. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's, there's people like, um, you know, Alex Forsythe. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he's going to get drafted. Um, you know, uh, Bennett Williams, um, you know, that, that, those sort of people that are kind of on the line, you just never know. Um, there's, there's a kid that I'm actually doing a story on today um, who went to Jesuit Jackson Kirkland, who okay. uh, played at UW. I think he, he has a shot to hear his name called for sure. You've got, you know, you've got people like Jack Coletto. You don't know if he's, you know, there's, there's, once you get to those rounds that are past second and third, it gets really murky because teams are really drafting for need. And so you mm-hmm. just never know what it is going to be. But, um, but yeah, there are, there are a few names out there that um, we could hear. And I mean, I think, I think we're going to have like probably four ish guys with local connections probably go on, um, probably go on, uh, on Saturday. So we'll see how it goes. All right. So you were somewhere on Saturday that I was. Yes. Yeah. So like I said, let's talk about Oregon state's quarterback position. Uh, first of all, you know, Oregon State spring game, number one thing you learn is, you know, once again, that, that defense is locked and loaded. We're ready to go. Let's get it, baby. Like, those those guys are going to be real good next year. That's exciting to see. Um, and so you have to remember that the quarterbacks are going against a defense that's going to be pretty pretty excellent uh, come next season. 
With that being said, very, very interesting spring game into the, in terms of that quarterback position. Uh, ben Branson got the start, which I don't know if it's surprising or not. You know, he's the one who knows the system better than GJ. He's been around. Like, that It kind of makes sense to me. However, I've, you could ask me one play Ben Branson made during that game, and I would say I, I don't remember. Like, he didn't do anything. He, he didn't do anything. Um, and then DJ Uyunglele came in after him. Um, DJ did lead, lead a touchdown drive, which Ben did not do. Um, so that's good. But DJ also had a pick that was really, really bad. <laughs> I, I saw someone in my in my timeline say that um, they thought it was a they, – they thought looking from the stands that it was a 50-50 ball. That was not a 50-50 ball. It was overthrown to the receiver um, and just right in the defender's bread basket. So that was that was concerning. Um, but like I said, he also did have a touchdown drive, so you have to give him that. And then there's Aiden Childs, who I, I was on the sideline during like the first or second, I think it was the end of the first quarter, and I looked at John Canzano and I said, does Aiden Childs have a real shot at this? I think he has a real shot at this. You want to know what Canzano wrote about? Aiden Childs having a shot at this. At what? Uh, at the starting quarterback job. He ain't got no shot at no starting quarterback. He ain't got no shot. All right, well, you know, no whatever. Shot. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, you know, no maybe shot. maybe it becomes a situation where midway through the year he ends up coming in or something like that. And obviously, he's a freshman, so you have to remember he's going to make freshman mistakes. Um, and he did have. He, I mean, the one that really sticks out to me is he threw it right to a defender in the red zone uh, at one point, and it should have been a pick. It should have been a pick. So... We have to remember that. Um, however, he did have a really, really nice touchdown pass. Um, and, you know, it was in the quote-unquote fourth quarter of the game, so you have to remember who's out there. Uh, exactly. He's going yeah. against second, third string mostly. Very vanilla, very basic. He, he was 13 the- for 23 for 153 and a touchdown, which I would hope a, a four-star recruit would be able to do in a very – vanilla basic spring game situation where you can't be touched but there's no way he's beating out dj not a chance yeah i mean i i will say that the the pass in question it's it's on my twitter like it was like it was well defended and it was well placed it was really well like it was it was not something where it was like oh that you know that receiver just plumb beat that defender and that was you know easy or whatever um and it was kind of on the run um, as well for Aiden, but um, I, I can understand you know both sides. But I do think <coughs> that I mean he looks he he looks the most dynamic out of the three quarterbacks. Let's put it that way. I think that's I think that's a fair thing to say. So we will see what happens. Uh, but that is going to be a really really interesting quarterback battle because I still think DJ is is you know. His confidence got really shook at Clemson. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, and so I think he's still working <coughs> back from that. Yeah. Aaron, I mean, you got, you I mean, got that... any, you got any Oregon state quarterback thoughts? Tell me, I, I mean, you well, already, uh, you already told me there's no way Aiden starting, which, you know, I, I, I can understand that. Well, it might be a situation where things may be. I've just, see, well I've just seen so many spring games in my life where someone did well in the spring game and it meant absolutely nothing, especially yeah. late in the spring game, especially with going who you're against and, who you're going up against, the level of competition, and 
the type of defenses that are that thrown at you um, as opposed to being game planned against in a live situation. It's one that you weren't around here for, but when Jeff Lockie went nine for nine with a couple touchdowns in the spring game following Marcus leaving and people were like, oh my God, he, he did a great job. And I basically wrote an article saying, no, he didn't. And he was nine for nine for 153 for a couple touchdowns. It's because it was the weakest nine for nine you could possibly be. <laughs> if, if you throw a five-yard pass to a guy, he turns takes a 60 yards for a touchdown, you don't deserve credit for throwing yep. a touchdown pass. If you throw a ball up for grabs and it should be picked and a receiver makes a great play, you don't deserve credit for that. If you throw a slant and the guy takes it to the house, you don't deserve credit for that. The other completions are swings and little short hitches to the tight end. Like none of that means anything when you get into a real yep. game against a defense that can scheme against you, hit you, throw, throw a bunch of different looks at you. So this kid is a true freshman. And although DJ, like you say, maybe had his confidence shook at Clemson, if you took the numbers he put up at Clemson and you plug him into Oregon State, he had 3,000 yards of total offense and 29 total touchdowns. Gil, Gil Branson last year had nine touchdown passes and five interceptions. I'm not sure what their total as a team were, but I know that DJ's production was better than Oregon State's production at QB all of last season. DJ has experience playing for someone like Clemson and in a good conference. Uh, there's no way Childs is beating him out unless DJ just completely falls to pieces, right? It just doesn't, it just doesn't, it wouldn't add up. It would be amazing. Now that said, that all said, maybe Childs is like Herbert was, where Herbert just came out of nowhere, right? We came, went into camp as the fourth string quarterback and about two weeks into camp, people were saying, he's the best quarterback we have. He just doesn't know the offense. And then a few weeks into the season, he was starting. So maybe, maybe that could happen with this Childs kid. But if I'm Oregon State, you want DJ to, reach the next step in his development as we saw at Oregon with Bo Nix, who wasn't great at Auburn and then came to Oregon and blossomed. That's what you hope to see from DJ. If he gets beaten out by a true freshman, to me, that's not good. (laughs) Wow. What a scalding take, Aaron. Thank you for that. Um... Are you mocking me? Are you mocking me? I mean, you know, we got to have a little fun on here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that would, that would, that would be uh, less than ideal if that were to happen. I, like I said, I will say that touchdown pass, it was not like a, hey, throw it, you know, five yards and the receiver gets 60. It was, it was, it was a really nice ball. Okay. Yeah. Fence sure. Maiden Childs, it was a nice ball. Yeah, I'm not criticizing but, his touchdown. I'm just, I'm just saying spring, spring is, spring is weird, man. Spring football. People, you know, it's the one thing you see if, if people close their practices and close their scrimmages. You get to see the spring game, and people just make too much of it. Either way, they can they can, you know, squash yep. a guy because he didn't play well when the guy's about to be a star, and they can praise a person who may never see the field. Um, so I always take it with a grain of salt. Uh, okay, let's move on to another spring game. Yeah, that has, that has uh, some interesting uh, storylines. Uh, so Oregon has their spring game on Saturday. I think the number one thing I would want to see would be some signs of life on defense. The defense hasn't been very good the past couple of seasons, but it's really difficult to really see much of that in a spring game because of the things I just talked about. I yeah. mean, you can't touch the quarterback. So you can see maybe some pass rushers like Jordan Birch might show something. You're like, oh, you see some moves there, what have you. But, you know, you're much better off watching his film from 
uh, South Carolina than watching what he does in, in a spring game. Secondary as well, because the offense has an advantage regardless because it's football, but then they have even a greater advantage because of how spring games are set up. So, you know, we're going to see the secondary make a lot of great plays. I don't know. Um, so that's what I would like to see, but it's just hard in a spring game. And of course you have the quarterback situation. I think the second thing I'd like to see is some signs of life from Ty Thompson, that he mm-hmm. could actually be the guy in 2024. Uh, as of right now, I think there's no doubt they're going to bring in another transfer, but I'd like to see some further development from him. Yeah. Uh, the one shot we got to see Ty Thompson in a actual game like situation last year was not encouraging. I understand that was a high pressure situation that he was in against UW. Uh, they wouldn't even let him throw a, a screen. Nope, they wouldn't <laughs> let him throw anything, which was not not encouraging. Uh, for me, I'm really interested to just see how this offense looks since we do have a new offensive coordinator at the helm. Yeah. Uh, that'll be that'll be a, an interesting little storyline going in. Um, you know, I just I just hope we get like three drives with Bo. That's all I want. Just give me like three and then, then we're good. You know, I understand. Right. I understand. But like two seems like a little like, and eh, not enough of a, a sample size. Three seems, seems like uh, the Goldilocks of, of you know, anything more. And I'm, I'm like, why is he in there? Get him out. Um, but th- three seems really good. So I'm just, I'm just hoping for three. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's my big thing is I just want to see how this offense looks. Um, now with a, a new coordinator. A new coordinator. And uh, a new probably number two receiver in uh, Treshawn Holden. And you got Tez Johnson yeah. from Troy. Those are going to be two big additions. a lot of talk about Tez. Yeah. A lot of talk about Tez. What have you been hearing? What have you been hearing? What have you been hearing? Just that he's super fast. Super fast and quick. Yeah. Never a bad thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's super fast. And, yeah, he's, um, you know, just been able to, to burn people a little bit. Um, so that's, yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah, you're right. I'm excited to see that, especially like, you know, since Bo Nix and him are, you know, technically, uh, brothers since Tez is adopted, um, <laughs> by, by Bo's family. So I'm kind of like interested to see what that connection looks like. So good call on that one. That'll be interesting. All right. Yeah. Moving on. Lillard. Oh boy. You know, I've got I got a rant locked up for this one, probably. Um, you know, there's all this talk of him getting traded. Could it happen? Uh, the big one this week was the Nets, which is just the most ludicrous idea I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, what are we? What like, I, Lillard doesn't want to go to the Nets. If Lillard gets traded, he wants to go to a team that will contend. Exactly. If he gets traded to the Nets. The Nets would then have to trade all of their assets to even make that relatively worthwhile for the Blazers. And even so, I'm not sure if it's worthwhile. I don't really feel like it is. So, like, what? why are we... What? He was at the Nets playoff game because he's recruiting Bridges to come to Portland, everybody. That's what's going <laughs> on here. It's no, pretty he, obvious. He was, actually, he was there for business, he said, actually. Okay, whatever. He's got a whatever new album coming out. Say. He's dropping a new album. He was there for business. Okay. And, he, and, and he, can't really, he can't really technically recruit Bridges because... No, he can't. Because Bridges is in their contract, and he yeah. didn't have to go to the game to recruit him. But that he being said... Good faith. That being said, him, like you said last week, him being there, his presence there, courtside, wink, wink, you know, hey, what's up, Mikhail? 
what's up, bro? You know, that stuff could be going on. (laughs) So I wouldn't say zero recruiting. Yeah, of course. I mean, they were hanging out after the game. Um, They're BFFs. Yeah, BFFs, guys. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it's it's an act of good faith for him being here. But yeah, me, us sitting here saying that, or people sitting here saying that he's going to get traded to the Nets. It's just, it's, it's, I'm like, come on guys like i understand you want clicks and all that good stuff but this is this is it's just it's so unbelievable like like not in like a, oh that's unbelievable type of it's un space believable <laughs> it, there it's not gonna happen so yeah, it's, it's very it's a very unlikely landing spot for him and we're in that era or in that uh window now that time of year where you see these according to an exec or according to NBA execs, and so they, someone talked to two, allegedly, these teams might be interested in this person. You know, and, and I, I, joke, I jokingly say, it would be like if there was like a bar with 30 guys in it, and Beyonce walked in, and I said, I got inside sources that say 15 of these guys are interested in Beyonce. Well, duh, it's Beyonce. <laughs> we could do this in reverse too as well. It's like, well, yeah, most men would probably be interested in meeting Beyonce and saying hi to Beyonce. Most teams in the NBA would probably love to have Damian Lillard on their team. Right? So saying some team might be interested in him is completely worthless, but it gives you a reason to post something about it. Which, then when people do this, it falls on me to follow up with it, to either shoot it down or offer it any type of validity. I mocked the Nets thing. And so I mocked the Nets thing because, number one, first and foremost, like you said, Dame's not going to go somewhere where he can't contend. And so if he goes to the Nets, Bridges has to stay. He's not going to go to the Nets and have Bridges come to Portland. That wouldn't make any sense. Unless the Nets are able to go out and get Jimmy Butler and Cat from Minnesota and form a, a, a trio there. Oh, yeah, I mean, that would that could be possible. The Dame would probably go play with Jimmy Butler and Cat if that were a thing. Uh, but more than likely, they'd have to offer just stuff to match the contract and then a boatload of picks. Someone throughout there could, could, could they offer like six first-round picks and Cam Johnson or whatever. And some Blazer fans were actually turning that down. But although I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Dame would want to go there at all, if Dame said send me to the Nets – and you can get six first-round picks for him. I don't even know if I'd care if I got a young talent because six, six first-round picks is going to be very valuable, valuable moving forward. But I just don't see the Nets as a possibility because, again, he has to contend. Now, Miami, that came up because Brian Windhorst says that he's talked to some, to some, some execs who say Miami would probably throw their hat in the ring for Lillard along with 15 other teams. But that makes sense because he could go join Butler and Bam, and now you have a legit like trio. And yeah. it ends up balanced tree. You got point, you got wing, you got big man, money. Now, some Blazer fans are like, we have to get Bam back. Well, again, Dame's not going to go to Miami to not play with Bam. <laughs> that would be dumb. Why would he go to not play with a big with a marquee big man? He could just stay in Portland to do that. No offense to, to Nurkic. He's good, but not marquee. So if you did that trade, the best young player you can get back is Tyler Hero and then a bunch of picks. And, of course, people say, oh, Tyler Hero's not enough. I just want to put this out there that Blazer fans be prepared to be disappointed in whatever the Blazers get back because it's not going to blow your socks off. 
because the Blazers will not be able to gut another team because that team has to still remain good when Lillard goes there. Otherwise, Lillard's not going there. And Lillard's going to dictate this very much. It's not going to be Portland can just trade, uh, trade Lillard wherever he wants to go or wherever they want to send him for the best package. It's not going to work that way. Lillard's going to have to want to go there. It's going to have to make sense. So you get Tyler Hero and picks. That might be the best you can do. I don't know if you're going to do better from another team that's going to fit what Lillard wants and maybe have a young player for you and a boatload of picks. Um, so... To me, Miami makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see Miami for sure. Um, but as we have said, nothing is going to happen until we find out what pick they get in the draft. Yeah, we got we got the we got the lottery coming up. Then we got can they move that pick and Sharp and or Ant to get another star in here or two really good players to play with Dame. We got all those steps to go through before we can get to the point where Damian's going to be on the block. But eh. You know, it's the NBA offseason and player movement fuels the NBA's drama in the offseason. They love it. It is one of the best off is you know, it is the single best offseason in sports because it has become like a soap, because yep. of player drama, because player movement can completely tip the scales of the entire league. That's how impactful one marquee star can be, as we've seen with LeBron traveling around the country winning championships and bringing teammates with him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, everyone's going to be talking about this until it, it doesn't happen. And I will as well, because literally has opened up the door by saying, hey, if we don't make moves, a conversation must be had. That just, to me, gave a gr- the green light for everyone to talk about any possible scenario pertaining to Lillard that could possibly exist. And I'm going to do it because it's fun. <laughs> he has opened up Pandora's box. He has. All right, moving on from that. So if the Blazers do trade Lillard, they obviously would go super young. Grant would be gone. They'd probably try and move Nurk. You'd have just a bunch of kids out there who can't rent hotel rooms on their own. Is it still the A25 or is that a rental car? <laughs> That's a rental car. That's a rental car. So you'll, have a, you'll have a lineup of guys who cannot rent a rental car. That's how young this group will be. Um, but part of that, is player development and that responsibility on the team to pull that off. And you're going to have your young stars who are going to be obviously playing a lot, but then you're also going to have your young guys who need extra development. And to help that along, the Blazers are starting a G League team, which will be playing at the Child Center in North Portland. I'm expecting you to be there every night, bringing us the highlights so we can talk about them. (laughs) (laughs) No? I don't know if I'm going to be there every night. Okay. Every night seems a little ambitious. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You spend a lot of time there anyway, covering UP. You know your way around. Yeah, yeah. No, that is that is very true. I I I got that. I got the child center on lock, baby. Um, <laughs> for the record, the reason why I why I'm there a lot is because we have some of their games on our airwaves, and I sideline. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That yep. is why I am there. Um. Now, uh, you know, I guess I'm I'm thrilled the Blazers are finally doing this. I mean, you know, I started the the feature I did on it by saying better late than never. It's a phrase that applies to a lot of things, and it definitely applies to the Blazers in a G League franchise. (laughs) Because, man, I mean, we know why it hasn't been here before. Neil Olshay was not interested in investing in something like that, and that was pretty well documented and on the record. So, um, yeah, but they finally have one. They are now they <laughs> going into this season. 
they were one of two teams in the entire NBA that did not have a G League affiliate. So that is done. Phoenix Suns, you are on the clock, gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they probably don't need they, – they're probably good on developing people right now considering that roster. Right. Um, but, um, I mean, you know, I look at I, – I think this is really good for a lot of different, you know, reasons. I mean, first of all, like, we all saw the flurry of contracts at the end of this season when they were uh, tankathoning. Um, <laughs> now, you don't have to worry about that as much. You can just bring players up that are already in your system. That's right. Hopefully we aren't tankathoning again next year. For the love of God, please. <laughs> but um, you have you have you know that capability of being able to bring guys up, send guys down. The team is going to be in town, which <clears throat> I think is is probably a good decision. You know, I mm-hmm. I covered a G League team in Reno that was affiliated with the Kings, and I think that became a problem at times. You know, having to have people, um, you know having to have people go back and forth between Reno and Sacramento because there was two-way guys on that team. So um, I, I think that it's good that it's here. It's a lot easier, you know, you know, in terms of just travel-wise. Um, and, you know, the, one of the points that was made by Dwayne when I talked to him was, hey, you know, we were having to send our guys to other G League teams that were affiliated with other teams, mm-hmm. and then other teams were getting a look at the guys on our roster, getting like an in-depth look. And that's just not good business. Like that's mm, not. It's a great point. That's that's very. Uh, that's that's not advantageous to us whatsoever. Right. So uh, yeah, this there's there's a lot of really you know good things about this. He was also saying you know not only is this going to be an experiment on you know you know we're going to experiment with players and stuff like that and give players more opportunities to get playing time, but also it's a good experiment in terms of our staff. You know, we'll have executives that are able to get or, you know, lower level people who are able to get experience in, you know, those kind of um, are in, in different roles um, at the G League side. So it's going to help with our development. That also pertains to coaches. And uh, we're going to, you know, test some business stuff with the team to see if it works on that side and then maybe bring it to the Blazers if it does work. You know, the broadcast is going to be pretty experimental. So uh, I'm excited to see what they do. And, um, yeah, I think I think that they're they're looking at it kind of as like an incubator for a lot of different things, which mm-hmm. I think is cool. So. I agree. And you look back at this past season, uh, Jabari Walker could have spent some time at, at the G League team getting yeah. more experience instead of sitting on the bench like he did. Uh, there could have been stretches where they sent Jabari – or not Jabari, um, I just said him uh, – Shaden over to play. Uh, not for like a week or two, but if yeah, they have a few days off and there's a game in town and Shaden's yeah. only playing 10 or 12 minutes a game, he can go over there and drop 50 on somebody in the G, <laughs> the G League. Uh, you know, next year, I don't think he, he, he definitely, I don't think he'd play the G League next year. But, you know, you got Summer League coming up, the Summer League team, you get a look at some young guys and some of those guys will end up in Portland on uh, that G League team. So there'll be some player familiarity that's grown in the summer that that then transfers over into the, into the fall and winter. So, yeah, I think it could be a pretty good thing. What, what do you uh, think the team will do attendance-wise? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that tickets are going to be like like 25 bucks or less, so that's, <clears throat> that's a good, reasonable price point for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have... I have a poor, um, like, barometer because Reno was such a mess as a G League team that it was kind of like the joke of the town in a way. 
So, like, nobody went to their games. Like, it was mm. not a thing, really, um, because people were like, oh, yeah, we have a G League team. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that was that was on them for, you know, having poor marketing to begin with. Well, we'll see what happens. I do think the Child Center is a good venue for them. It's, you know, yeah, not perfect. too big, not too small. It It's it's cozy. Um, yeah. So um, I'm sure UP is thrilled to have more stuff going on in that building. So, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I spit a really, out really tough question for me. I spit out twenty five hundred average. I think that makes I sense. Think, I was going to say I, around three. Yeah, around three. There's some teams I think that get over three per game. <clears throat> um, but you know, the, those teams probably don't play in major cities. Right, right. So I could be going under. I don't know. It'll be interesting to to see. And it depends on who's on the team. If, if like I said, Jabari's down there playing. If Jabari and Shaden were playing, or Trendon Watford were playing, or even maybe a Keon or someone like that were down there then that could definitely draw extra interest. Uh, but I'm going to go with 2500 right in the middle. I'm going to play the Price is Right strategy. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We will see. Um, okay. Brittany, Brittany Griner speaking on Thursday. Um, we just wanted to touch on that a little bit about how, you know, obviously WNBA players go abroad to make extra money because they do not make enough with their salaries right now. Um. You know, you you wonder how that could change, when it could change. Um, you know, for me, it's like, well, they probably need a longer season for that to change, truly. Because, um, you know, you look at the NBA, their season is obviously much longer than the WNBA season. Right. So uh, then you have to figure that out and how long that goes and can the league support that. And to be completely frank, their their commissioner has been extremely cautious on anything expansion related. Extremely. Right. <laughs> almost to the point where, I mean, not almost. People are frustrated with Kathy, okay? People are frustrated. Um, that's every once in a while I'll have, uh, she said here in Portland um, back in the, back in like February that um, the league was not was probably not going to expand in 2024. And, um, oh boy, my mentions were a party. <laughs> um, yeah. Ooh, people not happy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think her story could, could help grow the league at all? <clears throat> I think there's going to be some extra interest in the WNBA this season because of her. Uh, I, th- I think her situation in Russia definitely drew some different eyeballs. Unfortunately, a lot of negative idiots out there. I, I, I was just appalled at how many people were like, let her rot in prison. She broke laws in another country. It, it just how do, how do you grow up thinking you want someone to rot in a Russian prison because they had a little bit of flaxseed oil? Is that, is that what it was? It, it wasn't like she was running around with like, a Cheech and Chong load of weed. <laughs> you know, I think the whole thing's just bizarre to me, but you know, screw them. I think there's still a lot of people out there who have a conscience and a heart who are going to be interested to see what she does. Like it's, it's one of those stories that transcends the sport because it was such an international story. <clears throat> it was such a big deal. She is such a good player. I think people will tune in initially to see how she does. You know, the, the main thing I'm looking at, though, is this Clark-Reese rivalry. Mm-hmm. Because they're both back next year. If I'm the WNBA, I am just hoping. I'm, I'm 
talking to the NCAA before the tournament. I'm saying, can we get them matched up at least in the final four? Obviously you can't orchestrate something like that, you know, without fixing games, but you can at least create a situation where they could play because it's all, it was, it was so volatile. There were people who did not care about college, women's college basketball or even college basketball at all who were tuning in to watch Clark because she, she was already a transcendent player. And then you have this rivalry with this other woman who's trashing her after the game. And she went over the top. I get it. But people's reactions, I think, were uh, you know a, li- a little wild. But that's the kind of thing that gets people who otherwise wouldn't be interested interested. It's, it's, a, it's along the lines of boxing. You know, when boxers start trashing each other, right? It's like they never had beef before, but now a contract is signed and all of a sudden they're talking trash about each other. Well, why? It's to drum up interest into the fight. If we go back way before you were born to the early 80s, the NBA, the playoffs were played on TV on tape delay. They were played normal time, but the games were tape delayed if you want to watch it during the week. I remember trying to stay up to 1130 at night to watch the playoff game and not know what the score was. And this was into the conference finals. And this was early Bird Magic era. Well, the Bird Magic era, though, helped erase that because of the rivalry between Magic and Bird. And it, it gave you everything. One, they had played each other in college, so you had that rivalry. It, there wasn't any animosity, but you had that rivalry. Then Magic, the black guy, goes to Hollywood, flashy. Bird, the, the, the hick from French Lick, goes to Boston, blue collar, right? And so you had the racial overtones and undertones, plus the complete uh, contrast in cities of L.A. to Boston. And then they waged these wars where one team was flashy, the other team was like brutal, and they, they, were, they were crashing and, and fouling extra hard against the flashy team. And that's how they basically won the first time they played. And then they played again and again. That rivalry set the NBA off because then came Jordan. Then came the cable contracts. All because of that. So I'm not saying Reese and Clark are going to necessarily do that, but those are the kind of things that can catapult a league and, and get different people watching it. Me, for one, I'm not necessarily a WNBA uh, fan, but I'm looking forward to Reese Clark playing again next year because of the drama. And if they go to the WNBA and, and end up playing each other, I that would pique my interest because of the drama involved. So... You know, Brittany's situation, this situation come up with those two. These are the kind of things where you start attracting fans who otherwise wouldn't be interested in your sport. It happened with the, it happened with the NBA, like I said, 40-something years ago. Uh, it could happen again. Who knows? We'll see. But, yeah, I think, I think that those two storylines working together could help the WNBA. It's too bad for the WNBA that Clark and Reese can't play this year. I know. I, yeah. Well, I, I didn't really see tell you how much I knew. I, I didn't know that they both had eligibility left. I thought maybe they were going to be coming out uh, right away. But yes, they 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 have they have to stay because in in WNBA you have to play three, right? I think it has to do with your age. Actually, it's a I I got I I've I've tried. But the to age this usually out. lines up with three, doesn't it? Just like the yeah, NBA had one. It's, it's a different. I don't know. I, Regardless, they're both back. Yeah, yeah, they're both back. I, I need to, I need to, I need to look this up again because, like, okay, Cameron Brink, for example, she's she was a junior this year, mm-hmm. but she couldn't declare for the mm. WNBA draft. Okay, so I do think it has to do with your age versus your. That's that's weak. It should be years. It is. It is weak. Or it should be uh, one or the other. If you're if you're still under the quote unquote age, but you've played three years of college basketball, you should be able to come out. Yeah. Um. 
I, I think that, uh, I, I think that I, I, well, I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't be changed. Maybe it shouldn't, maybe the rules shouldn't be changed for the college level because it helps build into the WNBA then, you know, instead of like the one and done rule, which really doesn't do much in terms of hyping players that are going to be big time, um, going into the NBA. So maybe it's a good thing, but yeah, the, the rules kind of, I think it's funky. Um, so Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I wish, but I do kind of wish that they were able to play this year because you never know what's going to happen next year. You know, maybe one of them gets this, you know, tears their ACL and then you don't get Stop. that rivalry. And <laughs> hey, I'm just being a realist here. And then, then you don't have that building into the WNBA season. So, yeah, um, yeah we, but, but give but me already. all the trash talking. I mean, you know, there's obviously a line, but give me all the trash talking. Like, oh, yes. I love it. And you know yes. what? There's not enough of it in the men's game right now. So if the ladies want to pick up the slack, let's go. I would love now. to see a Q rating score on Clark and Reese because I'm willing to bet that they, they based on what went down, they'd be two of the highest ever coming out of oh, women's yeah. college basketball. Not that doesn't make them the best players ever. I'm just saying that. More people were well interested in that because of the drama of it all, uh, who otherwise wouldn't have cared, regardless of how good they were. So, yeah, and you know, <laughs> that's that stuff helps. It just does. It just does. It's it's been proven in all sports. It just helps. So, we'll see. Like I'm I'm looking forward to watching those two go at it again, just for the drama. All right. <sighs> Sad week. In the entertainment world, legendary, groundbreaking talk show host Jerry Springer passed away, age of 79. <clears throat> now, many people may associate Jerry with trash TV, and they would be right, because his show was largely trash. But it was must-see trash for at least a little bit there. So back in the day... I covered city and county government in Washington County, Beaverton, Hillsborough, and Washington County. Hated it, but did it for two years. And my apartment was within about a six-minute drive of the West Bureau office. So I would time my lunch hour <laughs> with Jerry Springer. I would go get lunch, drive to my apartment, <clears throat> and watch Jerry Springer. I'm pretty sure it was on at noon. And I would record it anyway in case I got there late or I, I had something I actually had to do, like, for work. Like, there was some kind of drama going on at the Hillsborough City <laughs> City Hall uh, so I could watch it later. But I would sit there with my lunch and I would watch Jerry Springer. I think I did that for, like, I think it was, like, the entire summer of 99 or something. It was, I remember being sunny a lot. And I just, it was like maybe four months straight or something like that where I did this. Where probably at least three times a week I went home for lunch and watched Jerry Springer. And I was just, I could not take my eyes off it. And part of me was watching it because I was like trying to figure out how much of this was real, how much of it was fake or staged or like what exactly was going on. Uh, and this was back before it was super easy to look that stuff up. I mean, the internet was around, but it just wasn't, you know, as, as uh, uh, robust as it is now where you can easily look things like that up. Um, but yeah, it was just, I was hooked 
And I'm not ashamed to say it. I think we all have our guilty pleasures in our life. But it was just, they were just so dumb. And I used to always think, why would you go on TV and like air this stuff out? So it had to have been staged. I mean, they had to have known the storyline ahead of time or they wouldn't have booked them. And so then there's the other person really surprised at what they're learning from their significant. I don't know. I didn't care. I watched it with great glee for a few months there. And then I matured enough to not watch it at lunchtime and just watch it later. And then I matured enough to where I was over it, but it took a while. Can we just go back to the fact that if you were watching this in the summer of 1999, that means you were putting in the effort to record it on VHS tapes. Well, that's okay. You say putting the effort. That's all we had. That's all we knew. I know it wasn't a much effort to hit record. I know. Well, did you have to, okay, wait. Okay. Did you did you have a situation where you were able to record it if you were not there? Oh, you could time, yeah, yeah. You, you, you could time record on VHS. Yeah, yeah. They had they had time recording. Dang, this oh, wasn't the Flintstones. The this wasn't the Flintstones, Brenna. We had timers and things like that. We could record with. Look at you. You're like you guys could record in advance. You could set a timer on a VHS. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, you know, I just had to ask the questions. <laughs> Always ask the questions. Okay? That's what a good reporter does. But yes, I could time it to record it. I eleven fifty five to twelve oh five in case it spilled over or started early or something. But here's <laughs> one here's one thing that tripped me out about Jerry Springer. Is that he would have this completely trash show, right? It would just be just like awful in terms of just how humans were treating each other. And then at the end, he would give his little speech. And they were always so eloquent. And he, he, he stated them with sincerity about how to treat people with respect and love and your in relationships. And sometimes this happens, sometimes that happens, but be better to each other. Like it was almost like he was saying everything you just saw was horrible. I don't condone any of it. I'm making money off of it. But let me just remind you, this is how you should treat people. And he would come up with five of these a week. <laughs> and they were all pretty good. So I, I always gave him credit for that. Yeah, see, I, I, I didn't know about that. Um, <laughs> Did you ever watch the show? No. Oh, no, I was, too, I was too young. My mother would have been horrified. Yeah, you were, you were a child. Horrified if she walked in and I was watching Jerry Springer. Um, cause yeah, like 1999, I would have been like seven. So that was a little, you've been like, mommy, why is the woman dating the, her boyfriend's dad and uncle? And then the grandfather's there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, get away from you, that TV, put it on Sesame street. Flashes as you were like going through, you know, the, the 60 channels or whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, that was, um, I was, it was a little bit, uh, I was a little young for that at that time, but it's a shame. I mean, we all have our, <laughs> our trash TV that we have loved throughout our lives. So yeah. I cannot judge because obviously <laughs> there are things that I probably have loved as growing up where you're like, that's awful. And I'm Such like, as? I love it. Such I don't as. know. I mean, I mean, I don't know if it was like that, but like, oh, like the Hills and OC. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, horrible. oh, watched all of that. Um, I mean, I've been, I, I've been kind of out of it, but I've been known to watch some Real Housewives during my time, okay? Um, you know, that 
that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I don't think I've watched anything that, but, you know, I mean, you know, you grew up watching like the real world and, and things like that yeah. or the challenge, you know, that. But all of those things are way, 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 way better. Yes. And more refined agreed. and sophisticated than Jerry Springer. <laughs> like, yeah, I never Jerry got Springer into anything the, like Jerry. The bottom of the, of, of the barrel. But, uh, but I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, there's, you know, humans love drama. That's why reality TV worked. <clears throat> I remember yeah. the real world, the first, the first season. I kind of watched the first three seasons and then it just got, it just felt, it, like, it felt like it was being more and more staged and people were more and more fake. Cause I think you had young people who were trying to get on those shows. So they were trying to invent a character or invent a persona as, a, as, a, as opposed to the first three seasons, which I felt were more authentic. Um, but that stuff works because we love drama. Human beings love drama. Spill the tea. That we right? do. Just spill the tea. If you told me right now, I got something to tell you about something I heard about someone. It wouldn't even matter who someone is. I'd be like, tell me. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, they didn't. Uh-uh. Stop lying. It. You stop lying, girl. Anyway. We're both All right. journalists. We love the tea. That's what it is. Yeah, that's why you get into this profession. It's for the tea. Where the tea at? All right. Anything else? <laughs> we got to cover Oh, I think I'm going to go make myself some tea, though, now. So, there you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening <clears throat> excuse me, to the Sports by Northwest podcast. It is supported by the Pacific Office Automation 147 coming June 2nd and 3rd to Portland International Raceway. Brenna, you have fun at the spring game. I'm about to drive to Seattle for my daughter's final dance competition at the Westin Hotel. Uh, she got three performances tonight, I think one or two tomorrow, and then dance is all done. Well, competition is. And then she has her showcase in June, which I will – there's a daddy-daughter dance uh, element in that. And then it's all over, and they can stop taking money every month out of my checking account. Anyway. <laughs> You're not excited or anything. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>